You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 180, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of the podcast features an interview with Aaron Martin and Jeremy Clark of Nashville's Okie Dokie. Since the project's inception back in the mid-2010s, Okie Dokie has released a string of great albums and developed a creative ethos that builds off the principal tenet of collaboration. Over the years, their records have featured contributions from Ron Gallo, Caleb Hickman, and Desert Noises, among others. For their latest album, Once Upon One Time, they took this collaborative-centric approach even further, enlisting an array of different artists like Grizzly Bear's Chris Taylor Dave Harrington, and members of The Shins and My Morning Jacket to independently mix individual tracks. More recently, the band released a new EP called Leaky Ceiling, which includes a remix of their song Delicious by the band Generationals, a raw cover of the Roger Miller classic Where Have All the Average People Gone, a stripped-down version of their track Wine Friends, and two new original tunes. During our interview, we chatted about how the band approached piecing together the tracks on Once Upon a Time and how they were able to make the record sound cohesive with so many different mixers, how their approach to songwriting has changed over time as more collaborators have gotten involved with the project, what the band has on deck for the rest of the year, and more. Plus, Jeremy and Aaron picked some great records, including some bangers from Angel Olsen, Melody's Echo Chamber, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. What's going on? You're listening to Look at My Records. Super stoked for this edition of the podcast. I'm here with Aaron and Jeremy of the awesome Nashville band, Okie Dokie. Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're great. I'm great. How are you, Jer? I'm great, too. I, uh... Had a good day so far. Built a stand for my cat to eat her food out of, you know. That's amazing. Is she enjoying it thus far? I think so. Yeah, it's a little maze for her to climb up, you know, and then eat up high. Well, that's great. So, yeah. I would love to eat my meals elevated off of the ground, but we're <laughs> mere humans and not felines. We can think our way through this problem. let's shift focus though from cats eating their meals in an elevated setting to (laughs) the band (laughs) and your music first i kind of wanted to talk about the fact that you released this great album last year once upon a time followed it up with an ep called leaky ceiling but 
from reading about Okie Dokie, listening to the, the records that you've put out, I know there's this really big emphasis on collaboration with other musicians within your community. And the pandemic kind of presented a lot of challenges for musicians and their ability to collaborate. So I was just curious, how was the band able to adapt to that? And what was it like when the pandemic first started uh, being okie dokie based on the fact that you do pl place this huge emphasis on collaborating? Well, I mean, in a way, well, first of all, you know, we got kind of lucky in the fact that we were in the midst of releasing music. So, so much of it was already done, you know, it, it turned it like leaky ceiling um, and the record. It, well, the record itself was done before the pandemic hit. And then leaky ceiling was kind of just songs we already had, you know, um, and had planned on being able to release anyway. So it worked. But I will say that. Uh, you know, with some of the new music we've been working on and new records that we plan on releasing, it's like we've always sort of worked remotely anyway. Yeah. Both with all the collaboration people that we're doing with and uh, that we work that we've worked with in the past, and then even ourselves. Um, that it it didn't change it too terribly much. We just kind of ended up working at our own spaces more than maybe we would have before. Um, sharing files and just kind of recording something and then sending it to each other and then we do something and send it back, you know. Um, I think that we were kind of used to that, so yeah. moving into a place where we were forced to do that, it was kind of like, okay, well, it maybe takes away the ability to uh, get that final moment in the room to talk about it and hang out and go over it together, which is always more fun, you know. Mm -hmm. But as far as still being able to be creative and, uh, and, you know, make something that you're proud of and happy with, we, we, we got lucky, I think, you know. Cool. cool. Jeremy, I know you're a recent addition to the project. So, Aaron, tell me a little bit about the origin stories of the origin story of this band and how it got started. <laughs> um. Well, this is kind of like <clears throat> one of my favorite things about the band right now is that I feel like we've been around long enough to have like <laughs> have like a history a little bit, but yeah. also be able to like kind of revisit some of that, but also autocorrect some of that in the moment, which is <laughs> really exciting. So like, you know, as part of the history, we, we go to a little ahead of the period in which this was a band and you know Jeremy and Johnny and I are friends through another group that we were in and then I had left that to focus on art <clears throat> and then Johnny basically approached me and was like hey let's start making some songs um, so it was essentially like Johnny and I right then but literally <clears throat> like I don't know like the next day, <laughs> you know, we go to we go to Jeremy because we've always mixed our music together. So, um, and then because of that, we were like, all right, we're gonna have to start playing some shows. And I had asked Jeremy to uh, 
play with us and kind of help me sort it all out kind of as a band leader almost and I was like all you have to do is play a Casio just like he even he did play one and it he played it on a on like ironing a, an ironing board which was amazing and Johnny wasn't even at our first show because he was on tour with another band <laughs> so so basically like Jeremy was pretty much always in the band <laughs> what it yeah. really was what it really was though and this is why it's amazing is because uh jared didn't want to be in a bunch of pictures and stuff and he was like i don't really want to have to do all of that all the time <laughs> he was like i'll be in the band but i don't want to be in all the stuff and we had made kind of this rule where we were like all right okie dokie's always on the cover of things we got to do you know personality forward and uh, Jared was like, that's amazing, but not me right now. <laughs> um, not, not in a weird way. He was just like, eh. And uh, so with this new record, yeah, uh, Jared's joining the band as far as everyone is awesome. concerned. Awesome, and he's going to be in the photos. Uh, yep, he's gonna out there. He's going to be front and we're, center. We're dragging Jeremy out of the mixing dungeon to be... Duh, where he has always been. <laughs> That's um, good because he's he's very photogenic. Yeah. I can tell right here. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Oh, I don't. I don't on. like the photos, and the, I'm 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 a little awkward, you know, when no. it comes to meeting people. We've only been speaking for seven minutes, and you're very well spoken. I'm gonna hype up Jeremy super yeah. hard. Let's do We're this. hyping up Jeremy to the max. <laughs> to the max. So, Jeremy Unleashed. Uh, another cool thing that I liked about the story of this band was that it did seem to start out as a, a narrow collaboration between the three of you. I, I originally thought it was the two of you, but now I can figure out it was the three of you. And then at some point expanded to, to really include this revolving door of different collaborators. How'd that start to develop? Why'd you want to start introducing more and more people into the project? Um, I mean, I, I can have a pretty simple answer to that. I think it was just, you know, when we first started, this wasn't something that anybody took very seriously. Uh, I was I was professionally touring with a couple of different acts, and so was Johnny. Um, and so I think we viewed it more of like a collective sort of thing. Even with the first record, there were so many different mm -hmm. people who played on it. I think that was just to make it fun and interesting and just kind of call all our friends. I mean, in Nashville, there's so many people that we have that play music and play it beautifully and wonderfully. And I think it was more so just a fun way to include all the people that we love and get all of these different ideas and sort of almost samples, I guess, in a way of everybody's <laughs> different personalities and kind of like throw it together in this big mixing pot and see what happens. Uh, and I think that that worked really well. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think Aaron really fell in love with that idea as well. And so we kind of pushed on it maybe a little harder. As well, it we was actually, forward, you know, it was actually like part of our mission statement from the beginning, um, because we were all, the three of us were in a band 
before this and there was like six people in this group and uh, that experience was like six people kind of equally sort of haphazardly sometimes trying to do something together and we were like that's kind of chaotic and the <clears throat> the project didn't have kind of a voice so um, when Johnny first asked me about doing it I was kind of like yes this is cool but um, we have to do it kind of like sort of like a mixture between outlaw country vibes where they sing about each other in certain songs and feature their buddies and blah -de blah and then also just hip-hop kind of nature where it's just constantly like you know funneling people in and then I think really when it became essential was after we toured a few times Af was after the first record because we started to meet bands and that's where Johnny kind of proposed it as being part of our timeline kind of um, he was essentially like you know when we meet bands we make songs with them and that's how we can kind of like keep this thread of what we were doing when we did it sort of thing and so yeah it, it definitely latched it definitely became an essential thing um, quickly but it was also sort of part of the motivation because from Johnny's standpoint too, it was like, <clears throat> you know, three or four other bands had just kind of erupted <laughs> in town. So there was also this moment where there was like a lot of loose talent kind of floating around and we were kind of like, well, we have a project, like come play guitar for two hours, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, and then that really, the coolest part of that that was that we uh the best thing about the old band was that Jeremy mixed it like the best thing about that group was the, the sounds you know everything we did with the, the music um so that was like the coolest part was just kind of taking that relationship and being like here's more people than that first effort but like a way tinier funnel and that's how you kind of keep the jellyfish alive. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, how are you able to manage all of those moving parts in the studio? How are you able to synthesize everything so that, I mean, it sounds good. Every record sounds good in my opinion. So, but it, it's definitely got to be challenging when you have a lot of people, different people contributing ideas like that. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to really one of the other original kind of mission statements with this project was that we wanted to make, you know, an indie rock project that uh, that used elements of hip hop and electronica. And the thing for me, I, I'm a huge fan of electronica and and, and hip hop production. And uh, all of that stuff always uses samples. It's heavily sample based. And so I think uh, kind of part of our idea that would make it fun is to treat all of these live recordings with real musicians, treat it almost like they're samples and loops and yeah. pitch them and place them and move them around and treat them almost like they're uh, like it's a collage art piece, you know, and and wow, uh, yeah. that's kind of how I manage it is that I'll take all of these uh, a bunch of parts, usually way too much information, you know, and uh, 
delete a lot and take snippets and parts and pieces and move them around and kind of create like a simple but finished product that uh, involves all of these different people's ideas. But then kind of like Aaron said, it gets funneled through this one kind of uh, end thing that is the three of our brains deciding what we want it to sound like as a whole and then me kind of going through and picking all these little parts and being like what about this how about this? you know yeah, yeah um that sort of thing so yeah and i feel like for this record too once upon a time you kind of blew up the formula even more based on what I was able to extract from reading about the process behind making the record. Uh, why'd you decide you wanted to kind of change the approach to how you made this record and, and what'd you do differently? So, you know, I think it, and this was largely kind of Johnny's idea because he's, he's always trying to just come up with something fresh and new and exciting. And I, I think that's what we both love about him. Um, and he was like, you know, we've always done collaborations what if we found, you know, different producers and, and, and mixers and had them do their thing? And then I think me and Aaron kind of just brainstormed on how to make that work. And at the end of the day, we sort of did exactly what we would normally do with any other record. But that when it came to the point where I would normally mix it, instead, we shipped it off to these other people. But instead of giving them a big direction or saying, hey, you need to do all of this, you, this is what we want it to sound like, we were kind of just like, uh, go for it. <laughs> you know, like, make it sound like what you would want it to sound like. Do what you would want to do with it, you know? Uh, and that's what I'll kind of introduced the ability for them to till, still feel like they were being creative and collaborating with us rather than just kind of getting told what to do, you know? Yeah, and it was cool too. Like, <clears throat> it was cool to write songs um, and then kind of mix them to a demo level where, you know, we could have pitched or moved on with them or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but then, kind of like looking for people who are open to do it too, because the the whole pitch was kind of like, we don't really need you to shape us into a band. We've got these songs that we've written and we like them. Um, it was more just like check out this list of songs and if anything calls out to you, you know, pick two and then change them. And it was super cool how it worked out as well. Um, just because, you know, certain people that worked on the record, it just ended up picking the right songs for them almost. And, and it was also cool how the, uh, the track listing ended up going. It kind of starts off with like, Dave Harrington and then another thing and then that's how the end sort of is um I think it was was it Dave mix and then you both times Jer um what? just the way that the track listing ended up it kind of bookends itself with who's mixing and stuff and oh yeah I mean yeah the the, the last one was was a mix of mine uh and mm -hmm. Dave's was the first uh but, um, yeah, and it was just cool because, like, uh, Chris Taylor, for instance, you know, he, one of the reasons we reached out to him was because of Grizzly Bear, and I love that band. Um, 
So it was awesome when we got his mixes back because we kind of got two dynamics that we were really hoping for on both of the songs, you know, and um, specifically like this guitar tone on Sleeping Ute was really an inspiring sound to me. And, and I had actually met him years ago and talked to him about, about that specifically a little bit. So it was cool to then have some project and find that sound in the record years later, you know, and just several things like that um, with Carl Brommel as well. And um, it was just a super cool project. And then from a songwriting standpoint to just get through it and just toss it out was really fun. Yeah, it's, it's a super unique approach. Um, how'd you connect with the artists that wound up mixing i know you you mentioned dave harrington chris taylor of grizzly bear there's also members of my morning jacket and the shins that mixed some tracks on these on this record so who'd you who mixed these tracks and what tracks did they mix and just how did you connect with them to work on this record um well we kind of made like a short list at first, because um, the second part of that was that, you know, we kind of wanted to get people who were in bands as well and not <clears throat> not just people who mix or engineer yeah. things, but also people who ultimately perform what they work on and the things that they put together. So, um, you know, the first step was figuring out just who all can do that kind of thing and is available for that, um, which was kind of a journey in its own. And then um, really it came down to, I mean, just messaging people and reaching out. And if we got any kind of, you know, feedback, we'd um, ask our management to follow up. I mean, there was one morning I was in a, the coffee, a coffee shop um, and I was talking to my friend uh, about like materialization, basically. <laughs> And I was like, dude, I absolutely believe in that stuff. And I was like, I'm going to try right now. And I was like, I was like, I love Dave Harrington. I'm going to just message him. <laughs> and I sent him a message. And then it was like the next day we got some feedback and I ran into that guy and I was like, you see? <laughs> <laughs> I um, did it. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there were people who signed on that fell off as well and you know things that didn't align totally so it just it worked out um really well and um i'm stoked on what happened so it was a great process yeah it does sound great and i just wanted to to follow up on something you mentioned in the beginning of that answer that you wanted to work with artists that were in bands and performed music that they worked on in the live setting. Why was that important to you? And did you provide any guidance as far as when you ultimately gave over the songs to the person that was going to mix it, that kind of steered them in that direction? I think, I think we mostly wanted to do that because we wanted them to have a, uh, more collaborative nature yeah we didn't want it to just feel like 
I think that we foresaw if we just gave it to somebody that we really loved their mixes um, on, and their production style, but was more used to taking artists and songs and just making them sound better, uh, that we would run into uh, our songs kind of sounding the same way that they did already. And we didn't, we weren't really looking for that. If we just wanted somebody to mix it, then, then we would just mix it, you know, the, the purpose wasn't to just get some fancier people to mix our songs, but instead to get some uh, more creative outlooks. And we were looking for people who essentially do what we do with our songs, which is uh, write, record and play on them and then also produce and mix them. Because that way we could funnel it through their process and kind of get a really different end uh, response out of something that we for the most part kind of did the same way that we always do you know um, yeah, it was, and i think that was the idea yeah it was it was almost like the question was more so like what what did we not hear or something when yeah. we'd send the mixes it was like what are we not hearing and it was also you know part of that too was to get feedback from people who really have inspired us in the past and you know, people who essentially feed into our songwriting anyway, um, through just being music we like, that was a, an interesting way to be like, you know, what are we missing from the mouth of, you know, people who have like melted our faces in a live setting <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah. or like, you know, just really been there for crucial moments. Cause when you love, music you know it ties to memories similar to like the first time you eat food so for me it was definitely like who's who better to ask in this moment when we're trying to branch out than people who have kind of done the things we're looking for um to us that was a a really exciting way to write songs and have them tweaked it kind of felt like um i don't know it felt like getting a nod or like you know, sort of getting some, it was just cool. <laughs> yeah. Were you worried about the record sounding cohesive? It does sound cohesive. So how do you think you're able to achieve that? I don't think we were worried about it so much because like Jer said, we do the collage kind of thing. Um, or at least that's how we look at it. Um, so ultimately, you know, since the songs were written and we were kind of tossing them out in good faith, it, there wasn't much of like a process where we had much to say after that. It was like, we're happy right now. And then we're going to be stoked about this experiment, which was more so the focus was the experiment. Because ultimately, like at this point, people are are playlisters. They listen to playlists. That's what they do. Um, a record is still just that. So, you know, ultimately it's like, if we have all these songs we love, there's a way to, um, connect them. But also from just the songwriting standpoint, like everything is cohesive in the way that it's laid out. And that's really exciting as well. Cause that again was just part of the experiment. Um, yeah. Yeah, and sonically, honestly, we have to give pretty mad props to our mastering engineer, Adam. Oh, yeah. He, 
he definitely had a big job to try and tie <laughs> these 12 mixes from six different people and uh, make them at least from a, you know, listener's standpoint, kind of, uh, you know, make a story as one. Uh, yeah, he and, killed and it. He just did an incredible job. He, he really pulled everything together. Some of the mixes just sounded you know, vastly different than the other yeah. ones. And then after it was mastered, it was like, okay, this makes sense. You know, this mm -hmm. comes together. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think a huge part too was, was how so, great of a job he did. Uh, I like the song, It's Just You. I like how you kind of contrast the lyrics of that song, which are kind of a little darker with the instrumentation, which is kind of more upbeat and brighter. Uh, tell us a little bit about that song. What was the influence behind that track and how to come to? All the songs on this record are pretty like they're autobiographical in more of a, in more of a literal way than we've ever really kind of gone for. Um, so that one was just about a breakup I was going through at the time. But as far as a song, like a sonic focus, you know, we kind of were going this whole, the whole record process. I was kind of messing with this idea of different people being trapped in different people's bodies and then realizing themselves and kind of singing through me sort of. So that song was kind of one of the two like Shania Twain trapped in Lee Hazelwood songs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm into Reali realizing Realizing themselves. Through me. <laughs> yeah. What, Jerry? <laughs> I said definitely was going for some Shania Twain there. That was my oh, yeah. main goal. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. Aaron, why do you think your songwriting on this record took more of an autobiographical focus when compared to previous uh, records and releases? Um, they all kind of are, but I love metaphor and I love writing like four things at once. You know, that's my favorite thing ever. It's just kind of like silly putty words. Um, but uh, honestly, it was kind of this thing where it was like we had put out two records already and we kind of were sort of like observing a trajectory for us and then you know we're all going through different things together and myself personally i was starting to kind of experience sort of the, sort of this like stress bubble that kind of traveled with me i guess which you know those things are hard to notice i suppose but uh jeremy and johnny i think really kind of just noticed that and we're just like hey like you know, this time let's just write about what's going on and just write about what's happening. And, you know, we don't have to be so, like, mysterious with what it really is this time or whatever. Because the only reason we do that, or at least I do that, is because I really feel that it's important to give a listener, like, multiple avenues. So, you know, if I, I can say, like, I feel this way, but I can describe it in this many terms, and then that gives people just five versions of what they need it to be in that moment. And I think that's how you kind of forge a relationship in the beginning of writing songs, but there's also this moment back to the whole like outlaw country hip-hop thing where it's like, 
you know, you legitimately feel like you know these people um, because they're very honest a lot of times about what's going on. So, you know, another part of it for me was that I had gotten sober like almost three years ago, but before the process of writing this record. So it was kind of like a moment I felt to reinvent. So it felt cool to like avoid so much like metaphor and just kind of be like brutally honest with the lyrics because we already had so much material there to where I knew people would kind of like turn it into metaphor for us kind of. <laughs> um, and then at the same time, it was a way to be like, this is who we are from me, from us, you know, in a way to be kind of like as an audience grows, like, let's refresh um, now. And, and I'm sure we'll kind of come up with some way to do that every so often. But at least for me, that was a total kind of cool. I'll just spit it out then kind of moment and it was really great um i think we'll probably flip back into more lighter hearted kind of stuff because that's just where we're at at this point i think so um that's also exciting um yeah let's talk about the ep now it just came out it's called leaky ceiling and you've described it as a palate cleanser why do you think this ep acts as a palate cleanser you know coming after the the record you put out last year i'll give my quick answer and then pass it to jeremy um i'll just say that like <laughs> i'll say that within this album that we've written once upon one time within that you know there is a lot of like realness but and then the whole kind of packaging of all of it is very kind of um occult focused in sort of just like the imagery uh, not in a weird way more so in like a read between the lines kind of art aesthetic um, so that was really fun to play with so we kind of felt with um, we kind of like to do follow-up EPs I always think that they're kind of necessary b-sides are fun um, but with this one it was cool to be like here's all this like kind of like non-religion openness here packed up in kind of a that weird holy mountain sort of way and then on the ep it's kind of i mean like there's a version of wine friends that we did where i was like i just want it to be us but dead just like literally because because in that song it talks <laughs> about the smoke that leads you along you know when you're dying and, or the ether and so that's where I was like let's just make this EP kind of like from that standpoint and that's a bookend on this whole concept kind of from our higher selves we can be like check see ya um, but that's my take on it <laughs> yeah Jeremy yeah no I agree I think I just we just we took that idea and then also, you know, this album was finished in the pandemic. So it kind of forced us in a way to mostly do it ourselves, which, mm -hmm. uh, which was f fine. And something I think we actually kind of wanted to do, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. and so in a way it's different because 
uh, the EP that this is. collection of songs yeah. uh yeah this this EP the EP, this collection of songs is probably one of the first times we've ever released a whole batch of songs where I think maybe there's one or two other musicians on it. And other than that, it's pretty much all performed by us. Because Tom played drums on one of the songs. And other than that, oh, and then obviously the, the remix uh, was with Generationals, and that was from the album. But the, mm -hmm. the four songs... Um, that we did, I mean, everything was us, you know, um, which sounds normal for most people, but for us, it's kind of weird, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about the significance of the title of the EP, Leaky Ceiling, spelled Leaky, but Ceiling, S-E-A-L-I-N-G. What do you mean, mean by that, and how do you think it represents the songs on the EP? Um... I went with that because it's it has been a, a weird year, you know, and I think in addition to the pandemic, there's a million billion other things that are kind of surfacing or discussing themselves, changing, shifting. We've got, you know, UFOs on 60 Minutes. We've got the Monroe Institute. Yeah. We've got Bitcoin dramas. We've got... You know, um, a, a full disclosure path. We have Graham Hancock books that everyone should read. We have, you know, the, the 72 <laughs> Spirits of Solomon. We have Aleister Crowley. All this crazy shit going on. <laughs> um, in the middle Alistair of the pandemic. Crowley. Yeah, we just have all What a G that guy was. Well, we just, yeah, there's just so many... There's so much of that, you know, from 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 basic meditation to just noticing threads of similarities in art. There's so much kind of bubbling thought. <laughs> um, so leaky ceiling is kind of my follow-up statement to the whole once upon one time kind of cult conversation aesthetic. It's just... It seems like the seals, you know, speaking of Solomon in that statement, it seems like the seals of all of this kind of us, whether it's discussing civil justices or kind of um, mindfulness, it seems like kind of the dam has been busted up. And it feels almost like it's so volatile that maybe there has been some kind of seal on self that has broken and people are kind of found that during the pandemic. That's kind of my thought on that word. And also, you know, during the process of making once upon one time, because I love multiple things at once, um, Jeremy and I, our house was hit by a tornado and one of the Oh yeah. Biggest shit. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the biggest things was that our ceiling had this giant crack and it was leaking for days just all over. Damn. And just that was kind of like the the visual kind of uh, rift to me of that whole year from my personal things to Jer and I, where we lived, to tour, to the pandemic, to just 
everything. It just felt like that was the image was just water dripping on all of our keyboards and guitars and shit <laughs> in this, in this like distant place. Cause we're in Canada in that moment, you know, it's like so many questions. <laughs> so that's where yeah. that comes from is kind of those two spaces. <laughs> The EP includes this great cover of Roger Miller's song, Where Have All the Average People Gone? Has all the elements of a great cover, in my opinion, because it honors the spirit of the original, but you put your own spin on it, your own take on it, so it's not just like a carbon copy of the original tune. So I was curious, how'd you approach covering that song your interpretation of the song and how'd you want it to sound my quick answer is that we wanted to do a cover on this um sort of b-side ep and i was still kind of in this moment of a you know like let's just be honest and and that song to me has just describes me or at least my life from my point of view extremely well um I grew up in like a very small kind of hillbilly town and moved to Nashville and, you know, I guess I've, I've always felt very in the middle of wherever it is that I'm at. Yeah. Um, a little, a, a bubble, you know, like an orb. Um, so we went with <laughs> that one and for all of the, how did we do it? I'll pass to Jer. Hey. <laughs> passing the ball to jeremy well and and this is the way we did the you know we almost treated this version of wine friends like a cover and did both of them uh in the same day in one batch and kind of did them very similarly uh and we just again we kind of wanted to just try this fun experiment where uh I, I wanted to feel very sloppy because, you know, Aaron, again, he was saying it, he wanted it to feel very honest. Uh, and to me, an honest recording, uh, you can hear the imperfections a lot, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so we kind of just set a bunch of random instruments and toys and just things around the room uh, and um, just started hitting record. Uh, both of us would uh, play at the same time and I didn't do my usual thing where I go through and piece and edit. I just kind of left everything. <laughs> and we just sort of built these very intentional, but uh, fleeting and uh, momentary ideas. Uh, and then just kind of let them live and sit there and treated it almost sort of like a live performance, except it was just us continuing to go back and forth and re-record new things. Um, and it was just a lot of fun because it makes it makes it feel very organic and sloppy and not well put together. And there was no click track. There was no, you know, any of these sorts of things that help you uh, sound tight and well put together. Um, and, you know, I, I think that was kind of the idea was it was supposed to sound kind of goofy and almost like a live performance, which is why we clapped for ourselves at the end of the track. Um, so... Nice. Uh, yeah, I guess that's sort of where we were going with that. Cool. And tell us about the lead single, Are You Up? Great song. Thank you. And I love that song, too. 
Um, I wrote it about my partner who I'm with now, who I love very much. Uh, we had met one another a little before this and we were on that honesty tip. So, <laughs> uh, that was the first song we wrote post record. Um, yeah. And it went really well. That was kind of like, man, uh, so many times this year I've written either a part or a lot of our songs are kind of in the moment come out songs, but this one was one of those where I'm like in bed kind of waking up and it was sort of already playing. Oh, nice. Um, which was so cool. I love when that happens. And so I kind of like started singing that to myself and I was like running around the room and she was asleep and I was like trying to like not wake her up, but I was kind of like, nah, 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 you know, and then, uh, Jer, luckily we made a session quick enough to get it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, a lot of our songs are very like flash, you know, kind of stream of conscious moments that we catch. And those are always kind of my favorites too. Like, um, the ones that I've written on like a walk from the coffee shop or in the shower are my favorites. Um, and then, you know, Jeremy and I have a really good process of kind of just giving each other scripts almost. Um, like one of the recent songs, Better Off Alone, which is another one of my favorites that we've done now. Um, you know, that one I was like, can you just write kind of like a Gershwin sort of piano thing for me? I just want to like sink into that kind of emotion and be there. Um, and so he set it, set it up and then I was like, well, what should I call it? And, Cause I wanted him to title it and he said better off alone. And, uh, I had just been through my whole thing previously. So it was really easy to kind of just sing that song. And that was one of those like two take, here's the whole song songs. And I love that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I literally improvised that whole take, and then you were just like, just leave it. I was like, really? And you're like, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so much <laughs> of our stuff is just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. That's what I like. Um, yeah, Are You Up was, that, that one was fun for me because it was, uh, it was uh, actually Aaron and Johnny, are the ones who tracked the original session without me there. Uh, right before we left on the tour, they got cut in half by the pandemic. Um, and then when we got back, we decided to finish it and make it into a song. Um, and it, because this was right, I mean, right when the pandemic started, I mean, it was very much so isolation to the point where we didn't really know what to do yet, even about wearing masks, you know? It was in that weird time where nobody really knew, like everybody was sanitizing everything and masks were like, do they work? We don't know. So everybody was really, really isolated. Uh, so, I mean, I kind of just took that song and took everything that Johnny and Aaron had already done and then kind of turned it into what I would do and just kind of imagined them being there and being like, yeah, great job. Um, and then sent it to them, 
you know, and then Aaron and Johnny were obviously like, I don't like this. This is great. Cool thing here. Not so great here. But uh, it was it was fun for me, at least, because uh, it was it was something that was more so like, here's a song. And then now just like literally take it from bare bones song to full on production by myself and then come back to the group and be like, what do you guys think? You know, <laughs> uh, which was, you know, interesting and not and very different, you know, so. Very cool. All right. Now we're going to play a couple of songs from Okie Dokie's brand new EP, Leaky Ceiling. We're going to hear Are You Up and their great cover of Where Have All the Average People Gone. But I don't 
Yeah. yeah. Cool. We're back. We heard two tracks from Okie Dokie's new EP, Leaky Ceilings. We heard Are You Up and Where Have All the Average People Gone. It's out now via Park the Van. You can get a copy via okidokiband.bandcamp.com. You can also get a copy 
of their full length Once Upon One Time that they put out last October at okie dokie band.bandcamp.com. So, Aaron and Jeremy of the band Okie Dokie picked some records from our record collection. We're going to talk about them, starting with I Talk to the Wind by King Crimson. Off of In the Court of the Crimson King, the godfathers of progressive rock, the quintessential prog rock record. Tell me a little bit about why you picked this song and this record. I picked this song because I love prog rock, and I was looking for a couple yes songs in addition to this, but this song is one of the coolest, um, I guess, like landscapes to me of any song. And also... Uh, I think this record is single-handedly like why I love drums in the first place is just 21st century schizoid man. And um, yeah, also I'm a huge horror fan and I was watching the recent episode of the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs where he watched Mandy and uh, that song, that movie features um, a few King Crimson songs, and it's quite dope. Next, we've got the Flaming Lips, Ego Tripping at the Gates of Hell off of their classic 2002 record, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Tell oh, me, what a, why did you pick this track? Line. Go ahead, Jer. We both love oh, this song. Uh, yeah, I was just, I mean, like, it's like literally one of my favorite bass lines, which sounds so silly to say, but it's just like the greatest thing. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Um, cool. It's just that, like their, their production on this song is just amazing. And like, just really, really for me, hits like everything that I love about the Flaming Lips, you know? Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's just like, it's got that that super minimalist groove but simple and then everything's melodic and works so perfectly together it's it's just a great composition and and beautiful production you know lyrics are amazing yeah it's true that's your job love it (laughs) so much yeah all right next britney spears baby one more time off of baby one more time (laughs) (laughs) i was excited to see that you had that um because i rarely find a reason to talk about my first 
concert experience, which was Britney Spears. And I think O-Town opened for oh, her. Oh, sick, dude. <laughs> and, yeah, I remember and, them. Yeah, and the Pussycat Dolls were oh, there. That's quite it the was, triple bill. Yeah, it was amazing. I was blown away. <laughs> uh, Jer? Oh, I mean, like, I could talk about Max Martin for a very long there time. There we go. Keep it simple. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this was, you know, uh, this was the thing that, that made everybody realize that Max Martin was, uh, you know, quote unquote hit maker. Uh, you know, he had made the song uh, with Robin. I think he had actually made a couple with her, but he made that, you know, big hit of Robin's that came out in the mid 90s. And, um, you know, he's just kind of like this Swedish dude. Uh, but then he, he worked on and wrote this song with Britney Spears and it became such a massive hit. And it was after that, that he really started his very, very long and impressive train of incredible pop hits one after another, just for so many different artists. Uh, a lot of them are, are silly at times, you know, but that's kind of what I love about him is that he approaches songwriting. This might make a lot of people mad, but he approaches songwriting from such a logical perspective. <laughs> you know, it's a, if it, it at times feels like very uncreative and he might punch me in the face for saying that, but I, it's sort of the way it feels. It's very uh, intentional and purposeful and like, I am going to do all of these things that perfectly implicate what the human uh, perspective feels when they think about this moment. And then I'm going to write them lyrically out on a piece of paper. And then I'm going to use actual math and logic to make a melody that is so damn catchy that you can't not want to listen to it over and over again. Uh, and this song is a really great example of how well he can do that. Uh, and it's pretty crazy considering it was like his one of his first major releases, you know. So, yeah, he's amazing, and I'm pretty sure that Robin song you were referencing was "Show Me Love." Love Ooh, that yes. song. Yeah, that's an oh, awesome man. song. <laughs> <laughs> Show me love, Aaron and Jeremy of Okie Dokie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> also a great song yeah solid hit I fucking you know? love that song when i was a kid i loved <laughs> that song did he do the uh was it usher the you got it you got it bad that... no, i don't remember uh it which i think he did do an usher song but i don't remember i have a whole playlist of all the songs he had uh and there are a lot of goofy ones in there but you know he uh, he definitely was responsible for a lot of those in the early 2000s, but he continued to work until up until now, you know, and has lots and lots of great, great songs. Um, strange, strange guy has made a lot of money now, though. So, you know, we don't know how much. <laughs> yeah, no knows. we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Next, 
Crystallized by Melody's Echo Chamber off of their 2013 self-titled record. Was revisiting this record recently. Great record to pop on your turntable, turn the lights off, and just turn fucking loud. Really immersive uh, shoegaze dream pop experience. Yeah, this is an amazing uh, record, and I'm always kind of, this is one of those artists that I'm always kind of hoping for another, I'm just like waiting for the next record, you know, because um, this one was fantastic. Um, yeah, great pick, great record. You have this record. How do you feel? I love this record. I'm happy to own it. I'm happy to enjoy it cover to cover. It is the kind of record that is best experienced in a sit-down setting, putting it on your turntable, listening to it all the way through. I feel like it doesn't do it justice to just listen to like one or two songs on the record even though i think listening to the record that way you'll still love the songs you hear but i think it really flows really well as a cohesive record and of course great to sit down and actively listen to this album not just like passively like while you're running or doing shit it's a good active listen this album Mm -hmm. that's my hot take for sure. <laughs> Same. Next, we got (laughs) Built to Spill, Carry the Zero off of Keep It Like a Secret. I love songs about math metaphors and shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's such a, I mean, uh, you know, this song specifically, you know, it's like there's like five guitar parts going on at once. And it's just like, uh, you know, such a great little... uh, um little indie pop hit but uh you know it's got its little intricacies that make it so complex at the same time um i think you know for me at least i i love this song just because uh you know aaron knows this but i've never really been a huge guitar guy Mm -hmm. uh and i think that for me when i was younger built to spill was really one of the first bands that I actually really enjoyed uh, guitar. <laughs> I was like, man, this is cool. <laughs> like, this guy's killing it. Uh, and he has the, you know, like the kind of corny rock and roll guitar moments uh, all over the place. And instead of thinking that they're annoying, I actually kind of love it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's the best. <laughs> yeah, it is. he's he's great. It, it, and then also for me as a, a production person, I, the way that he does his voice on this song is just awesome. I think that that's going to land 
to be the reason I choose a lot of these songs is because the the vocal performance and the and you know just the uh, feeling and way that the voice was produced to like kind of emit that emotion and make you actually really enjoy listening to the song itself uh, is just uh, done so well, you know. And that's something that's not not easy to do, you know. Uh, so. Next, Waltz 2 by Elliot Smith off of XO. Yep, same. Same exact thing. It's like the the voices are just, oh man, he's just, and I feel like Elliot Smith is one of those funny things that people like to kind of shove in this corner of sad boy emo music, uh, which I understand, but man, he could write a song. You know, and just wonderful lyrics and beautiful songs. Uh, and his voice is just great. Uh, it's just difficult for me to not enjoy someone's music just because of a perception around yeah. his music, you know? Um, and uh, I think that's why I picked this one, because I kind of stand up for Elliot Smith a lot, because I, I hate the whole, uh, you know, stigma around that. And I think it's kind of lame. Because uh, he's he's a, a wonderfully, uh, you know, he's just a great. He was a great songwriter, um, and uh, this is this is an awesome example of how he could uh, put together something that I mean, he literally called it a waltz because he played. He starts with the drum beat, which is like what you call yeah, it on a waltz, a yeah, '60s drum machine, you know, um, and. Uh, but then just like brings in this amazingly beautiful melody uh, and the way that he layers his vocals is just awesome. And I think something that I have taken a lot of uh, influence from and in how we do our records is largely based on how he produces his voice because the doubling and the way that he wide pans them and stacks layers on top of it to make everything sound so smooth oh, yeah. and brilliant is... Uh, is a really great way to do it, <laughs> you know. Dirty Projectors, Impregnable Question off of Swing Low Magellan. Oh, man. Aaron, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Such a delay. <laughs> um, well, I didn't know. I know you love this record, too. So I didn't know if you had any thoughts on this one. This one's kind of a weird one to choose off of this record, I know. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's my favorite, um, because it tells such an incredible story, 
Um, and I think one of the reasons I really love this song too is because uh, because of another song that he later released on the record after this, uh, which uh, is called "What uh, Take My Name" or "You'll Take My Name" or uh, shoot, I'd have to look it up. But um, he literally samples. Uh, her voice, which was his partner, uh, he samples her voice from this song and then takes those words and puts them on this secondary song, but uses it in a uh, ironic way to point out what she was saying then yeah. is now not true, <laughs> which I think is the coolest thing ever to literally sample and reference your own record in a negative way to be like, look, <laughs> this is what I felt then. Now this is what I feel now. I was fucking wrong. <laughs> you know, I never even realized that. That's funny. That's cool to yeah. learn that little tidbit about this track. Thank you, yeah. Jeremy. That's awesome. <laughs> this is what this is all about. This is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I do also think that this song is just absolutely amazing. It's it's just a uh, it's just such a well written song, you know. Um, and again, I think I'm a sucker for the minimalism and the uh, kind of honesty of things. And this one really has that. You can like hear them like dropping things in the background yeah. of the recording, you know. Uh, and I, I just I kind of love that, you know. You can very much so hear that they they did this as a live take, or at least intended it to sound that way. Yeah, you know? I love that too. What did or didn't pass? It would help to seek comfort in destiny. But I really don't. We don't see eye. Right, and last but not least, last but not least, Angel Olsen lights out from Burn Your Fire for No Witness. Yeah, uh, this one is, uh, man, well, I, I just love Angel, and um, she's, uh, I actually knew her growing up because my brother was really close friends with her and have always just loved her voice and loved her music. And I think this one was big for me because it was the first time I realized that like somebody I know could make a record that I really respected. Wow, yeah. And loved and like looked up to and was like, whoa, this is really incredible work. Um, kind of made it seem, I don't know, less hard yeah. <laughs> to do, you know, like more of an accomplish, like more of a realistic goal. Uh, and so in a way, I think maybe it gave me uh, confidence in my own work and my own art and that I could do something great. Uh, that's the meaning for it for me. Um, and then as far as the song goes, it's just uh, it's a classic, just, you know, ballad, make you make you want to just sit back and contemplate everything in your life for a second sort of moment. But uh it's really, really beautiful song. Um, very raw Angel Olsen sort of energy, you know. Total raw 
Angela Olsen energy, I agree. <laughs> The things we need the most, they seem to take a little longer. No one's gonna try for you, darling. No one. No one's gonna wait. All right, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So wonderful talking with Aaron and Jeremy of Nashville's Okie Dokie. They put out a record last year called Once Upon a Time, and they even more recently put out an EP called Leaky Ceiling. You can get your hands on both of them via okidokiband.bandcamp.com. Aaron and Jeremy, what's next for Okie Dokie? Got some live shows touring in the works, potentially. What's what's next for the band? We have some live shows. We have some touring. We have an EP that just came out, as we've discussed for a while now. Yeah. And uh, within the next, um, God, I don't want to say like in the next little little batch of days <laughs> <laughs> who knows how small who knows how big something else is In is coming out time. we have another thing for you wow that's exciting not too much time super exciting. a very quick short amount of time like <laughs> like you know no big. less like less than less than a, a few months even <laughs> nice <laughs> well <laughs> Waiting with bated breath because the album is awesome and so is the EP. Okie dokie, a Nashville institution. Thank you both for chatting with me today. Yep. No problem. It's been, it's been wonderful. Sure has been. And we're going to play one more song from Leaky Ceilings to end the show. This song's called Stop While You're Ahead.
spirit fire.